So one thing I find with most investors is that they really only know about stocks. And if you only know about stocks, you know nothing about finance. Before we go any further, I have something on my tongue. <laughs> I have like a canker sore or whatever, but it's a little painful to talk. I might sound a little bit funny, but we're going to we're going to keep going. So, if you only know about stocks, then you know nothing about finance. But if you know about bonds and options, then you know everything about finance. So let's talk about bonds. I would say that 98% of investors know nothing about bonds. Absolutely nothing. Maybe they know that bonds go up when interest rates go down. Maybe some people know that, but that's about it. I don't know if you remember this, but in the Wall Street Journal, in their style guide, they every time they mentioned bonds, they had to say that bonds go up when interest rates go down. They, they had to talk about the inverse relationship between price and yield. And it was the most irritating thing of all time. It was like every time I read one of these articles, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I think they eventually stopped doing it. But yes, bond prices go up when interest rates go down. You know why that is? I will explain it to you in simple terms, okay? Let's say you have a 10-year 6% treasury note. And suddenly, interest rates go down to 5%. So you have this 6% coupon treasury note, and interest rates go down to 5%. Well, now you have a 6% bond when rates are 5%. And that bond is suddenly more valuable, and people are willing to pay more for it. That's why bond prices go up when interest rates go down. Now, there's a mathematical reason for this. There's equations. We're not going to get into that right now, but I will tell you a story. Now, keep in mind that I've been teaching finance at the college level for five years, and a lot of that was bond math. So I decided to develop a course on bond math for the average person looking to learn about bonds. And I, I, I did. I, I took me two or three weeks. I was working on it every night, and I wrote up this thing. It's called the Bond Masterclass. And it's offered at Jared Dillian Money. So these are your options. If you wanted to take a fixed income class at a college, it would cost you $3,000 at least. If you want to learn the same material in a better format that makes more sense, the Bond Masterclass is $199. Okay. And let me tell you, the Bond Masterclass is much easier to understand. So if you're interested in this, go to jareddillionmoney.com and get this Bond Masterclass. It really is the best thing that we offer. I've talked to some people who have taken it, and they've been very satisfied. Okay. So let's get into the business of the day. Let's talk about waiting. Would you be surprised to hear that most of investing is waiting, waiting. For example, like let's say you're a boglehead, right? And you're putting money in an index fund. So you send in money to your index fund and what do you do? You wait. How long do you wait? You wait 40 years. <laughs> now in the old days before the internet, you never really knew what your money was doing. They would send you these statements once a month, once a quarter, and you got to see but then you would get your statement and then you would have to wait another month. Now you can see every day on your phone. And I think that this is bad. I think this leads to bad decision making. 
if you check your account once a day, there is a 48% chance that you will lose money or see yourself losing money. If you check your account once per year, there is a 26% chance that you will see yourself losing money. Why is that important? Because people make stupid decisions when they get negative feedback. And if you're constantly getting negative feedback from your phone or your computer, you'll sell your index fund and then you'll stop compounding instead of being in the market and waiting. You spend 1% of your time trading. You spend 9% of your time thinking and 90% of your time waiting. I say that all the time, but I'm saying it again. What am I doing right now? I'm waiting. I am waiting. I wait all day. I sit in my office and wait. Yeah, I mean, most of the time I'm writing and I'm doing stuff, but I am waiting for the stocks that I bought to go up. Sometimes you have to wait a really long time, and sometimes you don't have to wait long at all. I've had a couple of trades explode higher right after I bought them. Got super lucky. Most of the time, it takes an incredible amount of patience, and patience is one of those things that you do not have when you're younger. For example, I have a lot of patience on gold. I've been in gold for 17 years. Do you think you would have the patience to wait 17 years for something to work? I mean, there's a lot of ups and downs over the course of 17 years. I mean, it's a little bit of fun and it's a lot of heartache, but it's, it's kind of like a marriage. Now, that's me with gold. Most people go through this with the stock market, like right now. If you have $800,000 in an S&P 500 index fund, you now have $640,000. The market is down 20%. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. That has a lot of effects. I mean, that causes people to reduce consumption because they feel less wealthy. I mean, that's a really emotional impact on the market. So you started with 800,000, now you have 640, and you have to wait for the market to come back. How long will you have to wait? Well, now keep this in mind, if the market goes down 20%, now it has to go up 25% in order for you to make your money back. And the stock market does occasionally go up 25% a year, but that's a pretty big year. So it's probably not going to happen in one year. It's probably going to happen in two or three years, and you're going to be waiting the entire time. You know, drawdowns are tough. How many years did we have to wait after the financial crisis before stocks got back to the highs? I'm not really sure, actually. One of the things I've noticed about waiting is that it cures a lot of mistakes. Okay, so you buy a stock, it goes down. And you should have sold it, but you didn't. It keeps going down, and now you have a problem. Well, if you're willing to wait, one of two things is going to happen. It's either going to go to zero or it's going to go much higher. You know, and the interesting thing is, is that back in 2002, after the dot-com bust, a lot of these stocks went a lot higher, the ones that survived. A lot of the dot-com companies went out of business, but there were, there were some of these stocks that were down like 99% and came all the way back. I mean, it absolutely happened. So I think a lot about time. I think about a lot about time and investing. And, you know, if you're patient, if you have patience, stuff will work over time. And, and this is really, you know, the way I feel about this, it's really true with real estate. Okay, because 
I would make the argument that people create more wealth in real estate than anything else. And the reason is, is because they buy it and hold it. They don't trade it. I mean, it's the transaction costs are too high to buy and sell a house. You can't really be trading a house. So you you make a decision, you buy a house, and then you sit with it. And you sit with it for five years, eight years, 10 years, 15 years. And over the course of that time, over the course of 10 years, the real estate market can go up a lot. And you're not, it's not on your phone. You can't check the price every day, although I guess you can now with Zillow. But for a lot of people, real estate is the best investment they could ever make because they can't sell it. So you buy a house, you live in it for seven years, you never look it up on Zillow, then you go to sell it and you made 50%. That happened with me. I bought my house in 2015. Okay. The house is up 80% in seven years. You know, that's pretty good. So, and I didn't have to do anything. You know, it is interesting. I am looking it up on Zillow now. And the reason I'm looking it up on Zillow now is because I'm getting close to selling it because we're building the new house and a couple years from now, I'll have to sell it and take the cash and put it in the new house. But yeah, like, you know, I just, I didn't think about it. I just lived in the house and it was a great house and seven years goes by and it's worth 80% more. So you should try to do that with your stocks. You should try to pretend that your stock investments are like real estate investments. Imagine imagine if you had a 7% transactions cost for buying or selling a stock, right? And imagine it took you 30 days to close when buying or selling a stock. My guess is you would not be trading your stocks. My guess is you would just hold them forever. Charlie Munger talks about this, you know. Charlie Munger wishes that there was no liquidity in the stock market, that you couldn't trade and people would just be forced to hang on to stuff. I get it. You know, I think he's kind of a dum-dum on this because I think liquidity is a good thing, but I understand what he's talking about. If you pretended that your stocks were like a house, you would hold everything for pretty much 7, 10, 15, 20 years and it would go up a lot and your results would probably be a lot better. My results would probably be a lot better. The people who made the most money in the last bull market were the ones that waited. They just bought those stupid tech stocks and held on and they held on for dear life. Of course, some of those people did end up holding on for too long. And that does it for me today in the Be Smart Podcast. I'm Jared Dillian. See you next time.